I'm Casey. And I'm Emily. And you're listening to Macabre Minds, a true crime podcast. And we are back after a little while. <laughs> yeah, it's been what, like, oh, a little over a month. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, guess who <laughs> had her baby? I was going to say multiplied. <laughs> Just multiplied. <laughs> oh, and so this is Evie, everybody. You can hear her little baby noises. Yeah. She um is oh. This is her debut. A, yeah. She has a lot to say, clearly. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. All right. Yep, so you just heard Evie. Um, she is a fantastic baby. She does have a really good uh, temperament, but or demeanor, whatever it is. But she um is definitely a drama queen, and Ooh. she likes the attention. Um, because of course she hardly even made a peep before we started recording. Yeah, and as soon as you hit record, all of a sudden she's got a lot to say. She knew. She was gonna be a star. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is pretty typical with her. She any binky we put in her mouth, she gags on, but but sometimes she'll take it. And it's like I Jilly never did that. She would not gag on her binkies. She would actually she actually took a binky. Really? Or like Oh well, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Or Evie doesn't really um like she's just She'll only really do like a random little like shriek cry. Uh-huh. She doesn't like cry cry all that often. I mean, sometimes she will, but it's just dramatic. It's just like, girl, why, <laughs> girl? Oh my but gosh! Anyway, How so yeah, cute. she's she's three weeks old now. Congratulations again, which I've told you, but I'm gonna say it here for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you yeah you already got to meet her yes i'm so happy i did get to go home right around the time that she was born maybe like a week not even i think no, a she couple was days only, yeah she was only like three days old i think wow that is so lucky that that worked out and i yeah. got to see the baby and my family of course but yeah um so that's why we have been absent. So thank you for waiting, everybody. For... I can hear her. No, <laughs> little, little noises. I... Yep. This is, so you're going to be hearing yeah, her little noises throughout the podcast. I hope it's not yes. too distracting. That's okay. Maybe she'll fall asleep here shortly. Yeah. Well, that's on Casey's end and my end. I just got a dog, so you might also hear him because he's running around. Well, right now he's laying in my shower. He likes to sleep in my shower for some reason, but he might start running around again. So those are the noises you might hear in addition to our voices. Yes, we are definitely distracted today. Yeah. <laughs> but it'll be good. It'll be good. I promise. Yeah. Let's get started. So what are we covering today? Okay, so today is going to be another Ripper case. Um and then we'll be we'll be done with like the little Ripper series we were doing. 
Um, and since these last couple ones have been pretty crazy, the next one I'm going to do, I already did all the research for. It is not a true crime necessarily, but it, it's like a crazy story. Oh, um, okay. But okay, so today is the Rostov Ripper. This happened in Ukraine in uh let's see i think the 80s i did these notes so long ago so here we go so andre chikatilo is this killer's name he was born in ukraine and he grew up in the aftermath of the great famine that happened there um, in 1936 and millions of people died and a lot of people well I don't know about a lot of people but people even resorted to cannibalism during this famine um, so it was pretty what? yeah so that and was that his was childhood just, and that was just in the 1930s yeah no like, way not really that long ago Um, and his family were collective farmers which is a position in the communist ideology that multiple farmers shared and worked crops and land together and they earned no money for this but they were allowed to have land and food from the crop so that's kind of what the communist party supported of that kind of labor at that time um he claims that he did not even eat bread until he was 12 years old and that his family ate grass because of how they lived and were very poor. Um, and during his childhood, his mother often told stories that he had an older brother who was kidnapped and eaten by neighbors during the famine. So this is uh, what? very rough. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so all these expectations of an older brother that he was supposed to have were kind of put on him when he was young. And then when the Soviet Union entered the Second World War, his father was conscripted into the Red Army and was later taken prisoner after being wounded. And there was also the Nazi occupation of Ukraine, which was pretty horrible with bombings, fires, shootings. Um, and he and his mother had to hide in cellars and ditches. And at one point, their home was burned to the ground. And uh, he kind of got this fascination of how German soldiers were tortured by Soviet captors. Um, so the really? First, like, yeah. It's very interesting. That is interesting because he's like in the victim, I don't know, like mindset so much. You wouldn't think that he would be then like fascinated with it, you know? Yeah. It was. It's an odd response, but you never know what trauma is going to do to you. So uh, that's true. That's uh, yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. <laughs> He was also drafted into the Soviet military from 1957 to 1960. And then he left and became a telephone engineer when he went to college. And he became a teacher 
of Russian literature after that. This big, big jump um, in his life. Uh, he, the first incident, though, as a teacher happened in 1973 when he groped a 15-year-old student, a girl. Uh, and a few months later, he locked a girl in his classroom and beat her and assaulted her. Okay, um, what? Like, that escalated so quickly. It really did. horrible. Yeah. So, he was not disciplined for this. Or, uh, there were also incidents of him exposing himself to students, and he went into the students' dormitories to try and see them undressing. And this went on for, like, way too long. Way too long. It was kind of ignored. And... Finally, there so were... They, so they were aware of this going on, and they just didn't do anything about it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Like, you'd think after the first incident, uh, he would have had some kind of discipline, if not fired, then, like, demoted or something. I don't know. But no. Uh, and finally, there were too many complaints by students and parents um, that he was asked to resign from the school. So it finally got to a point where he wasn't fired, but he was asked to resign because the the, com- the parents were complaining. So, but because he was not fired, he got another teaching job 47 miles from the last school. Oh, I put in 1881, LOL. 1981, he had to leave teaching again after getting complaints of assault and at a different school. And finally, he had to give up teaching and he became a delivery driver. Yeah. Don't think teaching was for him. No, absolutely not. He's a literal predator. Yeah. That's horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and violent, too. Like, it's just, it, that. that's kind of also what shocks me, too, is... Um, it started with groping, so you're, like, thinking it's going to be more, like, sexual violence. But yeah. but then he's just, like, downright beating kids. Right. So, that's so scary. I know. It, it, yeah. It's a big mood swing kind of thing. Like, two different types of violence. It's crazy. Um, da-da-da-da. In Sachti, I think is how you say it, Russia, in December of 1978, nine-year-old Yelena Zakovnova, I think, was walking home and she was approached by a man, which turns out to be Andre, and he persuaded her to come into his home and he attempted to rape her but could not. Uh, yeah, and he strangled Wait, and stabbed her. Through. What's that mean? Could not like because she fought him? No, I think he just couldn't perform. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, I see, I see. Yeah, that was what happened. So that frustrated him, and he strangled her and stabbed her three times in the abdomen. So that explains like why it becomes aggression is because he's clearly got some some issues there yeah performance issues there right 
And that becomes like a really big issue for him. So she was found two days later on Christmas Eve in a river. And she had a severe blow to her head. And obviously they found the stab wounds as well. Uh, Blood was found on his fence of his property facing the woods that the river she was found in was. And there was a witness describing Andre talking to Yelena at the bus stop the night before she went missing. But when the authorities came to check him out, they were like, oh, he's a married man, member of the Communist Party. He's a stand-up citizen. And let him be. Just let him. Let him go. Oh, my gosh. For one, look into his history a little bit. Right. And then also, this is the 1990s. This is not like this is back... I I mean I don't I guess I don't really know what it what you know the culture is over there yeah but still I mean you it this is not oh my uh huh uh huh I can't believe this mindset still exists or it will exist in the 1990s yeah um definitely it 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 is a cultural thing of the, at the time it's not like that now as far as i know um well it's a different government because this was the soviet union and the kgb and uh i kind of forget that the kgb was like not that long ago it was like the 80s before the soviet the fall of the soviet union and i kind of think of that as being like a while ago you know yeah and it wasn't i am i'm extremely ignorant um because i literally i've i only know about the kgb from um that one office joke i honestly (laughs) i i don't even know what the kgb is i didn't i thought it was like some like mafia group (laughs) oh my gosh no that was like the official uh government of the soviet union at the time uh so i'm very ignorant (laughs) it's technically known the committee for state security there um it was like security agency of the soviet union kind of i guess i don't want to make any american comparisons because i don't really it doesn't really compare but uh I don't know. It kind of sounds like it would be our version of like the CIA or something like that, but like they were a lot different than what people don't come at me. I'm just trying to explain. <laughs> it's not the CIA, but like, you know, I'm trying to like, what would it be like? Just trying to dumb it down for me. Yeah. Well, <laughs> not for you, for like me too. But yeah. Um, Whatever. We're doing our best to try and understand. <laughs> KGB. Um, yes. Yes. With the government. Mm-hmm. Some branch of government. Yes. Uh, okay. So he checks out and the police start to initiate an investigation of a different man, Alexander Kravchenko, who was a resident of the area with a history of rape. And police find blood on a jumper in his house. 
and it was the same blood type as Yelena's. So they were like, it had to have been her. He's the real killer of this little girl. Um, but Yelena and his wife had the same blood type. So it very oh. easily, probably it was his wife's blood of somehow it got on there. Forensic an- analysis is not up to par. Um, they really couldn't specify anything beyond blood type at the time. Mm. There were also witnesses that this man, Kravchenko, his wife, and some friends were home the entire evening of Yelena's murder, celebrating Christmas. And neighbors also attested to this. They saw people, like, at his house. Um, But they were all threatened with perjury and being accomplices to murder. And the witnesses changed their story to being, no, we didn't see him that evening. He was missing. And he was basically forced to confess and ended up in jail. And that's basically the intimidation tactics of the government at that time. And that's why that's how false confessions come. Yeah. At his trial, he did redact his confession because he got pretty scared and said that he was coerced into it, but it really did not help him. Everyone had already made up his mo- their minds about it, and he was executed by firing squad. Uh, he, he was not even, he was not Yelena's killer. <gasps> oh my gosh. Isn't that horrible? That is really, really horrible. I hope, uh, and I don't even know. That's really bad. Yeah. I, I To be imprisoned for a crime you didn't do is horrible on its own. And then to actually be executed for a crime you did not do is just, I cannot imagine. I know it happens and that's yeah. just, just horrible. I can't imagine having that live with that for the rest of your life or however long you're in prison that you know you didn't do it. That is the thing with the death penalty is because I've been pretty open like that i i support it to a degree yeah but it is you have to know like be so confident like like ted bundy you know in that case it's it's undeniable he did it right like things like that where you have to be so certain but in order to find anyone guilty there has to be you have to fully believe that some that they did it yeah that's I don't really know how the court systems work there, but yeah, me either. Really, I'm I'm trying to educate myself, but a lot of what I know is through of like the Soviet Union and that government is like through a lot of like movies and things, and you know, not exactly accurate all the time. So, gotta educate myself. Uh. So after that, obviously, Andre got away with Yelena's murder, and he decided to target more young people in the city and would find victims at bus stops and train stations around Rostov, which is where he worked and lived. It's called officially Rostov Nadanu, I believe, but Rostov for short. He traveled for work as well as a delivery driver so that helped him really spread out some of the locations of his killings too helps him be undetectable for a while it's like one of those things where he's undetectable until they're looking into him and then it makes perfect sense yeah 
And it's like a light bulb all of a sudden, like, hey, we should have really been onto this a lot sooner. Yeah. On September 3rd, 1981, Chikatilo Andre encountered a 17-year-old student. <clears throat> Her name is Larissa, standing at a bus stop as he uh, left a library in Rostov. And he lured her into a forest uh, near the Don River. And he kind of offered her, like, vodka and said, like, it'll be relaxing, it'll be fun. And when they got to this secluded area, he took all of her clothes off, attempted to have sex with her. Once again, he could not because he had issues performing. Um, he, and then this, this will be a common, common pattern. Like I said earlier, he cannot manage to rape the victims like he wants to. And then that frustrates him even more. And he, uh, strangles her to death and he had no knife with him, but he decided to mutilate her body with his teeth and a six foot long stick that he found and that that is horrible that is yeah. horrifying like the pain i could not imagine that and then just to like to do that for one mentally you are definitely not okay or to do any of this really um yeah ew ew that is so horrible i wonder if it has something to do with like him being almost okay with the taboo of like can cannibalism yeah because of what supposedly happened to his brother yeah like i wonder if that has something to sure. do with that yeah. yeah like that's just what he grew up being told people did during this yeah. famine like oh they did it to survive whatever but this so is just, just like this is totally different this is not not that i'm saying cannibalism to survive is good or okay right. either but like this is not even the same level as that was no and i mean like i'm sure in that it was it was much different for what happened but what i mean it's like just like how taboo it is to like do that to somebody yeah. in our minds like it, it's it's unthinkable and to us but then to him it's it's something that he grew up hearing about to right. a degree yeah, it's like that, uh, the nurture kind of things, you know, the dirt, but the nature versus nurture when you're like conditioned into certain belief that it, it'll just seem normal to you. And yeah. Yeah. So wow. I wonder if that just kind of like sparked that a little bit. But yeah. I mean, biting is not necessarily like, it's not like we haven't dealt with these monsters that bite like a lot of times there's bite marks on yeah. the, their victims too but it sounds like he went a little bit more beyond that he did because he tore one of her nipples off with his teeth yeah oh my god oh that makes me want to gag that is horrible it's really disgusting and vicious yeah um, and after that, he 
kind of tried to cover her body with some leaves and some newspaper he found around and her body was found the next day uh this poor girl 17 years old 17 all terrible um his next victim was on june 12th 1982 walking away from a bus station he encountered a 13 year old girl who was walking home from a shopping trip I know this is a different time, whatever. Maybe she didn't live that far away, but like I would I would not want my 13-year-old to be walking around a city by herself ever. No. It's way too young, no. in my opinion. But we are also crime junkies. So we also That's true. I'm very, are very aware of the monsters out there. Yeah. And nobody expects that to happen to them, really. So I understand that. Um The two of them walked together for a quarter of a mile until their path was kind of isolated by some bushes and trees and things. And once again, he did the same thing, initiated intercourse and stabbed her to death afterwards. And when her body was found... On June 27th, the medical examiner found 22 knife wounds to her head, neck, chest, and pelvic region. And the wounds on her skull suggested that the killer had attacked her from behind with the handle of the knife. And um, there were striations on her eye sockets as well. So it's getting like... So weirder. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. I mean, I don't, I don't know why they're calling this or like why this is known as a ripper. Cause these are young, innocent girls. Like, yeah. Typically, the, um, the rippers are like going after prostitutes. Yeah. It's, that is true. Yeah. That typically is what, um makes a ripper it's part of the characteristic but i think it's in this case it would be like the mutilations are similar yeah. to what the other rippers do um yeah and then uh, after that he picked up his pace of victims rapidly in just 5 months from july to december he had six more kills four females two males um once again, Ooh, he was males. Talking. Yeah, which is interesting. Kind of switched it up a little bit. Um, often it was young runaways, children traveling alone. Uh, but the mutilations also continued to get more intense. To females, he cut off nipples and breasts and removed the uterus. And male victims were castrated. Um, Why is this dude's problem? Oh my yeah. god! Mm-hmm. Oh, I. How can you do that to somebody? I really, <sighs> I could not even put myself in those shoes. Like even with your upbringing and everything, I really could not see turning into something like that. It's just way beyond me and my mental ability. Thank God. But 
um it then does switch to um but like his profiling of victims kind of turned into prostitutes and homeless women and men so it's kind of a mix of everything now at this point of like age and whatnot it seems like he's <clears throat> going after it seems like he's going after um Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Defenseless people. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like he, he, vulnerable. That's the word I'm looking for. Vulnerable people. For sure. Kids, prostitutes, homeless. So by De on December 11th, 1982, Andre encounters a 10-year-old girl named Olga oh, riding wow. a bus to her parents' house. And he persuades her to leave the bus with him. These little kids, especially, don't know any better. They don't suspect people to be as evil as they can be. Yeah, right. Yeah. I know. Uh, well, oh, okay, this is like a side note. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm raising two daughters now. So, mm -hmm. like, as a parent, these things, like, you think, you think a lot more about these things and, like, how do you teach your kids about it? And so anyway, Kendrick was talking to Jilly yesterday and he said something about, he was saying like, if a monster ever, I don't know, she was asking about monsters and he said something about like, well, daddy will protect you from any monster. He's like, dad. And I was like, well, don't tell her monsters are real. And Kendrick's like, monsters are real. And I'm like, I mean, it's true. Like, yeah, like, these humans are absolute monsters. Yeah. But also, a two-year-old doesn't think of a, a human, a person, as a monster. So it's like, oh, right. like how do we even approach this with a two-year-old? Like, I know. It's it's hard because you want to, like, help them as soon as possible. But, like, how can they understand it? Yeah. It's just basically stranger danger and yeah. educating them on on basically that, like... Yeah. If uh, someone approaches you and asks you to come see their puppy, what do you say? No. But then it's so hard because then at the same time, you're teaching your kids to be polite. Right. And, and respect adults. How do you... It's like I almost would rather my child be a little bit less polite. Yeah. If, if they're going to... If it means that they're going to be safe. Right. So it's especially girls. Like there are so many times when it happens where you're just you don't want to be rude and i'm like yeah be rude yes yes if, as an as an adult as a teenager like yeah i remember like you know people approaching and then you just say something nice or laugh along with with a man being completely inappropriate with you yeah no be don't rude what up with it yeah yeah it's like um i've said it before if a grown man asks teenage girls or younger or whatever to help you with something like i need help moving this whatever they don't need your help no why would a grown person need a young person's help nope nope yep be like find there's, someone else there's no reason yeah completely inappropriate on that note um Let's continue here we go uh so Olga was unfortunately last seen by a fellow passenger who did report that a middle-aged man had led her away by the hand 
So he was seen taking her off this bus and leaving with her. Um, He brought her to a cornfield and she was stabbed around 50 times. And he, okay, this is extra horrible because she's 10 freaking years old. Um, He ripped open her chest and excised her lower, lower bowel and uterus. Oh my God. You know what? What like those witnesses that saw this man talking to this girl and taking her off the bus? Someone I I'm I wonder what conversation they heard because yeah. they should have spoken up. Someone should have stopped that. Someone should have known that they didn't it, know each other. Yeah, yeah. If there are witnesses to it, that just makes me sick. Yeah, because I I feel like someone could have spoken up. I obviously I wasn't there. Right. I don't know what what they understood from the situation, but it was enough for them to know. Oh, I saw a man taking a child off a bus. Yeah, if it was a normal situation, I don't think they would have remembered it. Mm-hmm. Right, saying. exactly. If it seemed unremarkable or that they knew each other, whatever, I'd forget about it. But yeah, that's just really unfortunate that the the by what is it called the bystander effect is so strong. Oh yeah, yeah. I know. Like they expect someone else to do it. Like it's not my problem. So you leave it. Yes. Nobody does it. Nobody. Yes. I feel like I I could fall into that really easily. And yeah, because it on the one hand it is scary to involve yourself in a potentially dangerous situation. So fear of putting yourself in harm's way also is a factor. Um. But yeah, it's really unfortunate for or also just like fear of being wrong yeah yeah but better to be wrong i mean and like you tried but yeah yeah you're right so but due to the nature of these mutilations and everything a theory begins spreading by the public that something satanic is happening and that the murders are rituals which is a common theory we see a lot but in the USSR, so Soviet Union, the government had a history of controlling a great deal of what the public could be aware of, and citizens were blocked off from news from around the world. So they did people like did not know what was going on in other countries um, because the Soviet Union they did not allow you to see the news, world news, and they couldn't. They very heavily controlled their own news. Um, and at this time in the 80s, while serial killers were a big topic and a big issue in America uh, in the 70s and 80s, it was not known in the USSR. They knew nothing about it. Okay. Yeah. So, see, when I was questioning, I was saying, like, this was in the 90s. That makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. It was just not, it was not publicized. Yeah. Exactly. You're right. Interesting. Anything having to do with murder was deemed inappropriate for the public to know and view and see or read oh. about. So there, yeah, and there that was makes this, a lot more sense, right? Yeah, it it explains why a lot of people don't like didn't do anything. They don't know anything. They don't even suspect that because uh, um, there is a belief that was. Um, there was a belief that serial murder is not possible in a communist society. 
and that was enforced and law enforcement did not even know how to handle anything to do with serial murder they were not equipped to investigate it prosecute it anything so all mass murders or serial murders or anything were thought to be cults or terrorist attacks that is the only two options that the soviet government acknowledged they did not acknowledge anything else which is just so wild that's that is so wild that's stupid on their part yeah i mean there's they know about serial killers because they have to know what's going on in america the government they know they exist what so you're just so too cocky to admit you think oh well in our society we don't have serial killers that is the biggest load of bs and Mm -hmm. it's not like it's i mean it is completely inappropriate for the news i agree but it needs to be shared. Right. Like, uh, unfortunately, we have to cross that line because people have to be aware. Protect your children. I mean, mm-hmm. this get this is so upsetting because it's not, it's not, it's completely defenseless children and, and parents that don't know any better because they're not being warned. Exactly. Like, we're like, oh shame on the parents for letting their kids go out during this time well they didn't know any better they couldn't have known what everyone did and they didn't they were never educated that there was an active serial killer out there yeah and even though he could have been anybody could have been your neighbor they would never know and it's it's such a dangerous and ignorant belief and concept that in a communist society, there's no such thing as serial murder. Nobody could possibly be a, a serial murderer, which is, just, it could happen to anyone, anywhere. That's completely false. It's flat out arrogance. Yeah. And it could have saved a lot of lives if they had made anything public at all, but they yeah. did not. And this entire time, he is allowed to keep going because they did not even acknowledge his existence they did not even tell people that nobody knew that these murders were even happening because they were not on tv or written about in newspapers so nobody knew they were happening nobody knew anything about it and see that's really interesting because even back in the 1880s when jack the ripper was was ripping i don't know (laughs) murdering whatever uh-huh. he was doing on his spree yeah. yes yes um then news took that and i mean displayed it like it was a drama people yeah. yeah people looked out for that the letters everything it was it was basically like constantly being talked about yeah that's why it's so infamous yeah i'm amazed that this and even became anything i know it this really is a historical case and we'll get into that a little i'll tell you a little why why a little later but it really is for the soviet union um by let's see by 1984 his victim count was up to 23 that we know of Um, oh my god and once again just ignorance 
ignorance all around that's he just continues to keep up his pace because he knows i'm never gonna get caught is basically what he's thinking um there were bad bad mutilations um the authorities discovered he had been chewing on victims before and after death and they finally by 1984 were like this is a specific person but they still kept it quiet and a specialist team was moscow from moscow was sent to help but they tried to keep it they still were like keep this under wraps you are secretly investigating this now um and obviously the police had absolutely no experience of this nature they had never investigated a serial murder before they had never even heard of profiling like we have in america oh, no. at this time yeah. so they do they don't know any of the technique or the means of tracking or finding a killer and because the idea that it, the killer was satanic was still the most prominent idea um they rounded up so basically this ignorance of how to do this kind of police work was ended up unfortunately they just rounded up basically anybody who looked suspicious which turned out to be foreigners formally convicted rapists or mentally ill people uh i mean and- to a degree not necessarily foreigner foreigners but the the rapists and the um mentally ill they did that with even like jack the ripper and like yeah they they do do that historically in other other right. places as like, well uh, like i think that, that is under the rule out process yeah the foreigner part mm, that's not prejudice. so much <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah. as for, and and unfortunately the mentally ill like you hate to go after that group of people but right. um that they is had what, nowhere else to start yeah that that is kind of a starting point um historically what we've seen in cases yes uh sadly for these people there was they were chosen at random with no connection to location any forensic connection really nothing but they i feel for the police officers at this time and the people being questioned like it's all around like nobody knew what to do um and in the meantime, bodies just continue to pile up. Um, 19-year-old Vera Shevkin was found killed. A 14-year-old boy was found castrated with 70 knife wounds. Um, he killed two women in Rostov Park in February of 1984. Um, a 10-year-old boy was found in the woods, I believe. Um, and this, and that body was even found with a footprint and saliva and semen samples, but they still did not have like the means to uh, really forensically like evaluate it properly. Right. Um, this one is crazy. On May 25th, he killed a young woman named Tatiana and her 10-year-old daughter Svetlana in the woods. So somehow he got a mother and a daughter to go with him into the woods or found them, encountered them in the woods and killed both of them. I just, that is wild because I'm sure that mother had to have fought or tried to 
I don't know. I don't know the situation. Right. But yeah. right. It makes you wonder like how is he getting these people to to go with him? Yeah. Oh, oh, well, here's me since I wrote this years ago. My next line was that the mother had known him for several years. Okay. I forgot that part. Oh. So this was someone she knew. That's how it happened. If I had only looked one line down. But yeah. Oh my gosh. But he's getting so bold that he can just murder people he knows or have has known. So they must have been like neighbors or lived in the same town or something. Uh, to, to be able to do that. Yeah. I mean, obviously we've established this guy's an absolute monster. Um but it just shows how much of a psychopath he is that she trusted that he's able to like do all these horrible things and then go out and carry a normal enough life to where she can trust him and go go with him wherever wherever he was trying to get her to yeah. go i don't know yeah um yeah so his pace is rapidly increasing a lot of serial, serial killers have like a latency period but that is like not happening with him in july of that year he killed three people aged 19 21 and 13 in august he killed a 16 year old girl and a 17 year old girl um so it's just like and i think the two in august was on august 2nd and then august 7th so only days apart from each other um it's be i feel like this late latency period that might occur might happen because you know they're trying to get the heat off of them or yeah. they're feeling the guilt because they see what's going on in the news or something like that and so they try to like do better mm-hmm. or or they try to just be off the radar for a little bit and then they pick up again um because they can't help themselves for whatever reason but yeah, I I don't know with like with him it wasn't in the news like so he was not feeling any repercussions from it. Mm-mm, there's no pressure, so it would make sense that there's no pause in between them. Yeah. Um. So Ludmila Alexevia was the 17 year old girl on August 7th um, that he killed. He had disemboweled her and then her he excised her upper lip and her upper lip was found inside her mouth. Um, <gasps> it's just what a weird detail. And hours after her murder, he flew to the Uzbek capital um, on a business trip. And by the time he returned to Rostov on the 15th of August, he had killed... A 10-year-old girl, an 11-year-old boy, and a 24-year-old woman. So in just that very short time, he like flew on a business trip, killed a bunch of people there, and then flew back to Rostov. So it's it's just like increasingly terrible. And I did, yeah, I did write down like more details, but like you get the gist you know like yeah. they're all gonna be very badly mutilated and they're yeah. children a lot of very them. graphic yeah yeah um in 1984 he is arrested for molesting a girl at a train station um 
they took his a sample of his blood, but they misidentified his blood type. And so it did not match the blood type that they had found at the scene of the crime of uh, like a month earlier. So are you kidding me? Yeah. He you was had one job. One job. That if that is the one thing you can do with blood type is find blood type, you better be right. You like what you can't the do heck? anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Take multiple samples if like how does that even happen? Mm-hmm. That is so annoying. Yeah. Uh, and also, so I wonder, was he trying to get this girl to go with him and he wasn't charged with like that whole aspect? It was just like the fact that he like molested her in the process or something. Yeah. Because, yeah, because maybe he was also trying to get her to go with him. And if they would have dug a little deeper, they would have learned that he was trying to lure her or something like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, because also... He's clearly like that just seems weird that on top of, you know, luring kids and and people, prostitutes, homeless, whatever, and then murdering them. He's also then going on on whatever free time he also has and just molesting someone. No, I think that he was probably trying to that was going to be one of his victims, but that person spoke up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I just wish that like they would have dug a little deeper. Yeah. If only. If only. And he was charged for a year, but only served three months for this assault. And then six years would pass and the killings would continue. Six years. Um, so, yeah. so he, this is what I was talking about. He hadn't felt the heat yet. And so, right? So he stopped. Right. And then he started, he then, because he, or what am I trying to say? He continued to go and then he stopped once he almost got caught. Yeah. It, and six years is a long time. That's six surprising. Years is a very long time. This investigation goes absolutely nowhere. Because <laughs> they don't oh, know what but, they're doing. Wait, but no murders were happening. No, yeah. Murders for six years. Yeah. Oh, okay. I misunderstood what you said. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not a pause for six years. He continued to kill people for six more years. Yeah. Oh, my God. By 1990, he had 56 victims. 56. That is a huge number. That is, like, more than most American serial killers that we know of. And then nobody knows about this case, like, outside of, like, even in the Soviet Union, but like to this day, like I had never heard of this guy before. Before I, I lo- like looked it up for like murder no. cases. Yeah, and that is largely no. because the information is still like hidden, kind of. Yeah, and him being called the Ripper, like I said earlier, doesn't make sense. But it's still, it it still doesn't make sense because he did more than Jack the Ripper. He went like. Yeah. He went off and he's not trying to copycat him at all. No. It's he's, I don't know why. He, yeah. I mean, I I think that all serial killer like the fact that we give them all these notorious names is silly. But also at the same time, I don't think that it should be linked with with a ripper case, you know what I mean? 
I think I do. It's like I think it's like his own thing. Yeah. But the I don't know. I think the mutilations really make it a ripper for me. So I would agree that's, with it. Because that's true. And truly monstrous. Eyes disemboweling. Gouging. Yeah. yeah, like I said, gouging out eyes, like all of that was happening. And that certainly puts it to that level in my mind. That's so, true. More than the profile of the victims, it's the method of murder for me, I would say. That I yeah, yeah. I can see that because it's very monstrous and um, destructive. I don't know what word I'm looking for. I would agree. Something like that. Uh, Alexander Bukovnowski is a psychiatrist who finally is able to try and build a proper profile of this killer after all this time. And he says that the murderer is probably a man between 45 to 50 years old who is sexually impotent with a difficult childhood and suffers from necrosadism and derives sexual pleasure from suffering of others, which would be accurate. So finally, there is somebody on board who knows what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And police notice that many victims were found near train stations, so they suspect he's using trains um, for his movements around. So they began to keep all stations under supervision, um, and they put plain clothes, undercover cops at these stations to watch out for activity that is suspicious. Um, which okay. I think you could have connected those dots long ago. Could have right. done that years ago. But okay. Yeah. Um, on November 6th, Andre killed a 22-year-old 20 woman named Svetlana in the woods. And as he was coming back to the train, because it was like a wooded area by a train station an inspector who was patrolling saw him and saw that his clothes were dirty and stained with blood and andre tells him oh the blood is just i cut myself on some thorns in the woods and there was really no reason to arrest him so they let him go but they did draw a report of the incident and put him on surveillance okay like all right so Okay, you couldn't arrest him, but that is a good step. Let's watch him, see if he does anything else, finally. Mm -hmm. And on November 20th, he is observed by policemen come while he's coming out of his home, and they see that he repeatedly approaches children, like, all the time. They watch him do that for, like, days. He offered beer to a young boy, and then at this point, they decide to step in and arrest him. Be like, before this escalates. Um... Oh, God, 10 minutes again. How does it happen so fast? I know. Um, I feel like it's shorter. I know. Um, so they do a strip search, and it reveals that one of his fingers had a deep flesh wound, and he was self-treating it with iodine, but medical examiners conclude it was from a human bite. And... um. At the crime scene of a young man named Victor who was found killed, they saw signs of a very uh, tough physical struggle between the two of them. And a finger bone was found later, which had been bitten off, and it matched Andre with that bite. 
Oh my goodness. Yeah. Good for good for whoever bit him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You you got him good. Yeah. Um that's honestly honestly leaves a trail. You gotta do at something. At the very least. Yeah. You yeah. Biting, scratching, something. Yeah. It might be disgusting, but might save your life or at least save other people's lives. Yeah. Um, it's a good try. It's a good fight. You know, I applaud that. Uh, police protocol said that they could only hold him for 10 days without physical evidence. So they had to really, really try to get a confession and they interrogated him for hours and hours. And then finally they brought this psychiatrist in to talk to him. They said, maybe you can, you have some tricks that we don't know of that you could get him to talk. And the psychiatrist brought up, uh, I'm not like, I'm not a cop. I'm a doctor. I just want to help you. And kind of like, is like, tell me about your childhood. Like what I'm here to sympathize with you. Like, let me, let me hear your story. And it works. And he, Andre admits to 56 killings from 1978 to 1990. And oh my gosh. He even shows the police how he committed the murders on mannequins. Um, he took them to burial sites that were previously unknown. Um, and when asked about cannibalism, he said that he chewed on some uteruses and male genitalia, but then later discard- discarded them. But he did eat some tongues. So... Ew. Oh, this guy is so messed up. Yeah. Complete psychopath. Yes. (laughs) Facts. Um, His trial took place after the fall of the Soviet Union, and it was historical for multiple reasons. His case was the very first serial murder known of and investigated in Russia. Um, his trial was also the very first trial that was ever made public in in Russia, and it was the first time a case was in the news or the media that not only their country could see, but that the world could see. And it was the outside world that deemed him the name Rostov Ripper when they heard of it. So, um, yeah, so the investigation took place during the time that the Soviet Union was a thing, and then his trial took place after its fall. So his, it's like I two see. sides of uh, courts and justice and police and like different government rules and dealings between the two oh, times of that. Yeah. That's really complicated. He was convicted ultimately of 53 of his 56 victims, he was not convicted of that very first murder, nine-year-old Yelena's murder, because Yelena's murder was already tried and a man had been executed for it ex- already. So they did not put her murder in with him, even though that <sighs> man was the wrong man, you know? Wow. And then there were two other bodies that, that he claimed to have uh, killed but were never found. So they those two were also not part of his trial um andre was on death row for two years and then he was executed in a soundproofed room shot in the head once execution style oh uh, yeah 
that wow. was that was a method in the, back then um i don't think wow. it is now I it but I, I really don't squad. know in yeah. russia ukraine i'm not sure wow yeah who who does who, how do you get assigned that that's why i thought that firing squad was a thing because it's like i don't know because it's multiple people it makes i don't know why but it just seems less like murder i don't know how to explain it yeah like like execution style shooting kind of seems rather than Fire i don't know the squad, death penalty yeah. it seems more like like murder straight yeah. up like yeah i get it i it's, get what you're saying it's weird it's i mean i guess with firing squad you know you you all do it so but yeah. at least it's like the group of people are all the ones that are but i guess there's someone that has to you know someone's push the button for the electrical chair or right someone's got to do the injection push the that medications is, that is someone's job somewhere or many yeah people. yeah yeah wow uh yeah that's that i just feel like that would just be so or i don't know i mean but also the person's a monster so right they can probably justify it it's, yeah, I and like know, I said, I don't weird. know if they—I don't know if they still do that, but they did in the, in the '90s at least. Uh, so they, we know now that the Soviet Union actually had many serial killers at that time. The majority of whom have, to this day, never been caught, and many cases are cold cases today because there was just nothing to be done. Um, Andre's case, there was one good thing to come out of it. Um, they. Russia finally had reason and demand for learning how to do profiling, forensic investigations, and knowledge on how to deal with serial killers in Russia and Ukraine. And to this day, he is Russia's most prolific killer and Ukraine's, but there may be deadlier undiscovered ones out there that we just don't know of. But yeah, very wow, like game-changing in criminal justice for Ukraine, well, that's what I was Russia. thinking about. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about is, you know, it's not like serial killers didn't exist before the 70s, 80s. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, it's not like Russia never had a serial killer before the 90s. It's just that they weren't being investigated and they weren't aware. Yeah, they weren't aware. So I it really worries me how many people there are that got away with this. Yeah. I'm glad that they finally recognized it. Me too. Yeah. I'm, I'm always like, I wish this never happened, but at least it was the reason that proper forensic and policing will be, was going to take place after that. So, yeah. That is the issue with these, because this is like a precedent case then. Um, yeah. That is the issue with these is, you know, unfortunately something horrible happened, but something good came out of it um in yeah. the end so at the very least you can look at it that way that it's it's probably saved hundreds mm -hmm. of lives since yeah. maybe even thousands yeah so that is the rostov ripper and that will conclude our ripper series for now wowza yeah. That was a long series. That's probably the longest series we've done because Chad know, Ripper probably. took like four episodes. Took a whole yeah. month. Um, <laughs> yeah. Where'd you get all this information? Um, ooh, 
I got it from multiple sources. One was about um uh I did this so long ago and I didn't write it down. So I'm not sure. But there is okay. a like criminal uh like website that I have that I got a lot of information from. I'm sorry, I don't know the name of it. <laughs> but it's yeah. all right. Well, on that note, I'm Casey. I'm Emily. And you just heard Macab Minds. Woo!